1: And good morning, live across Victoria, this is Dirt Radio from Friends of the Earth. I'm Jeff Waters, and uh, wherever you're listening this morning, you're listening to us on stolen Aboriginal land, and we'd like to acknowledge uh, uh, that we are coming from Wurundjeri country, from the banks of the Bururung in Nam. Um, this morning, uh, and uh, we acknowledge all of the Uh, Wurundjeri elders, past, present and emerging And I'm joined in the studio this morning by my fellow Friends of the Earth gas campaigner Freya Leonard Good morning Freya Good morning to you Jeff, how are you this morning? Oh I'm great, it's such a beautiful morning It is Oh my word, it's just gorgeous this morning It really is I mean this time of year really is the best for Melbourne I think It's uh, so still and so sunny It's just lovely. And um, Freya and I uh, campaign in the gas sphere, listeners, so as to keep, hopefully, our weather glorious and gorgeous and uh, so that it doesn't go off the rails. Now, uh, we'll start this morning talking about a bit of news that's happened in the last week or since the last time you heard from us. And I believe, Freya, that our... uh, two of our largest mining companies have made a, a very uh, green announcement. Yes, actually, it was um, a, a bit gobsmacked to see
2: a joint statement that has been signed by 17 members of the Australian Industry Energy Transitions Initiative um, and they're calling for um, a direct emissions cut in supply chains by more than 90% by 2050 and they're talking about doing that without relying on carbon offsets, but very, very keen to see the detail. I mean, we're talking about companies like BHP, Rio Tinto, our, our good friends in the gas um, wood site. Uh, so it's, it's, it's an enormous statement, but it does read a little bit like um, they're calling on the government to take action and they're, they're sort of talking around doing action themselves. But I'd be really, really keen to see what this means in real terms. Does this mean, for instance, that Woodside is going to get out of gas? Because that would be a welcome announcement.
1: Well, the big thing at the moment, of course, with the safeguard mechanism is that they can use carbon credits to cover up their emissions, Uh, which is ridiculous rather than decreasing emissions. Does this, does that mean that, uh, they're, they're volunteering to give that all up?
2: Well, indeed, this is what I'm keen to find out myself. So I'll be doing a bit of a deep dive into exactly what that means in real terms. And once I have a little bit more detail, I'm more than happy to come back and do a bit more reporting.
1: Well, I think we should be a bit concerned about this because as, uh, campaigners at Friends of the Earth, if they all, uh, do the right thing, we'll be out of a job.
2: Well, you know, I mean, a big part of our job is attempting to do ourselves out of, of a job. Of course, so. I know.
1: It's, 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 uh, it's ridiculous, isn't it? That's right. So if the We, fossil we fight f- and fight and fight to put ourselves out of work.
2: Uh, and if the fossil fuel companies want to lend a hand, then, you know, I for one welcome our, um, our, <laughs> Wait, our climate-friendly maybe it's overlords. It's a cunning
1: plan just to get rid of you and me. <laughs> <laughs> well, good luck. Now, now, um, speaking of uh, terrible things and, and, and us needing to campaign against them, tell me about what is going on over in Western Port near Hastings.
2: Well, it's, it's been a bit of terrible news last week. Um, we, you know, we, um, listeners might be familiar with the Save Western Port campaign that successfully pushed back against a gas import terminal, a floating gas import terminal in Western Port Bay. Um, it was knocked back on environmental grounds by um, Richard Wynne, then planning minister, and uh, and there was much rejoicing and the Save Western Port campaign felt, you know, that they had secured a massive win for their area. Um, it's, you know, it's it's worth noting that Western Port is adjacent to a Ramsar wetlands and... Um, Just and, to explain
1: to me what Ramsar is.
2: Uh, Ramsar is... Uh, it 's an, inv- uh, an environmental covenant right an international environmental covenant that prioritizes wetlands and wet areas
1: so it 's an internationally recognized waterfowl. Area. That's right. Within the Western Port biosphere and fish, no doubt. <laughs>
2: yes, and, and everything that that you yeah, know relies on. Yes, yes, that's right. Stuff. Um, unfortunately, um, Esso have had a plan to uh, divert ethane, that is a byproduct from the gas industry, and to use that for a um, a gas-fired power station, an ethane-fired power station. Our local community has been um, very, very strong in opposition and uh, And it's worth noting that this ethane was um, previously earmarked to go um, as a chemical feedstock for the plastics industry. And with the um, reduction in demand for plastic, as more and more people are you know not using plastic bags and um, refusing packaging, this ethane has no market to go to. So now they're looking at setting fire to it to generate electricity. Uh, right.
1: They've got excess ethane because of low demand. That's right. Fascinating.
2: Yes. And uh, we are aware, we, we had a sense that something might be up when um, Peter Dutton went down and was given a tour of the proposed facility site. Um, which Well,
1: I don't want to be biased, but now you know it's evil.
2: <laughs> and um, <laughs> and unfortunately, local campaigners and concerned community were denied access Um, on a similar tour that they requested. So... Uh, we, we kind of smelt a rat, but um, we, all of our worst suspicions have been confirmed when Planning Minister Sonia, Sonia Kilkenny gave the green light for that proposal, which means that, unfortunately, um, Western Port Bay is likely to become that much more industrialised. And when you add to that um, the fact that we've got two additional proposals down, coming down the pipeline, we've got a carbon capture and storage a facility that is being mooted for the area and a hydrogen station also for the Hastings area. It looks like um, the lovely Ramsar wetlands around Western Port Bay are likely to become ever more industrialised.
1: Oh, my word. And Dee, um, uh, just so that we can be clear, w- methane is what is otherwise called natural gas, yes, um, euphemistically – uh, when you burn that, you produce carbon dioxide. Does the same thing happen when you burn ethane?
2: Yes, indeed. And it's, uh, I mean, there's no wins for the environment with this. Really, the only solution is, as as we've said time and time again, to get off gas, to remove gas from the energy matrix. its It has no place in a decarbonising um, energy economy. And it's well past time that we stopped looking for it, we stopped drilling it and we stopped supplying it to homes and businesses across Victoria.
1: And you mentioned their hydrogen. There's been lots of talk about how terrific hydrog- hydrogen is, which it is. Uh, I've been to Iceland and seen the bus network there, which was hydrogen, I don't know, 10 or 15 years ago. So, But they've got free energy in the form of um, hydrothermal, From uh, uh, so they, all of their electricity is from... Uh, from the volcanic activity under that island, um, heating up the water. But, but uh, are we talking about burning fossil fuels to create hydrogen? And isn't that a bit silly?
2: Well, yes, it is. So there's a number of um, there's a number of things about the whole hydrogen project that just don't hang together. Um, in Victoria, the plan is to start producing brown hydrogen. That's using brown coal electricity to produce hydrogen. And then moving, oh well, that's sensible. <laughs> and then moving on to blue hydrogen, which is using um, gas to produce hydrogen, before moving to green hydrogen, which is using renewables. Uh, it, it would it would be fair to argue that uh, we would be better off just going straight to renewable energy. <laughs> to supply all of our energy needs. Hmm. And when, and uh, the Victorian government is currently contemplating putting a 10% hydrogen mix into the pipeline. This is singing straight from the Appia song sheet, the Australian Petroleum Peak Body uh, song sheet. They were talking this up about three years ago. And to put 10% hydrogen into our pipes um could mean that we will need to have all of our gas using appliances upgraded to handle the finer gas hydrogen is the finest gas we have it's notoriously leaky it's incredibly expensive to produce and it's just in- it's problematic from from where to go so it's you know we we're-, we're arguing against it we're saying that we don't need a hydrogen plant um there was a trial um into uh, producing hydrogen in Victoria, which resulted in a ship fire um, last year. So we are saying no. We're putting our foot down and saying no to hydrogen in the gas transmission network.
1: Well, the Hindenburg was hydrogen, wasn't it?
2: It was indeed. We've been calling it Hindenburg gas or hydrogen. <laughs>
1: You're listening to Dirt Radio on 3CR Community Radio. And welcome back. This is Dirt Radio, and I am Geoff Waters, speaking to you on behalf of Friends of the Earth Australia, which is just the most amazing organisation. And I'm here with uh, uh, the Friends of the Earth gas campaigner, Freya Leonard. Now, Freya has just been up to Canberra, hooray, with a special delegation. Tell us about it.
2: That's right. So... Um, I and six other activists from various organisations, including the Beyond Gas Network, Surfrider Foundation, Ocean, which is always Climate um, Im- uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Emergency Action Network. We got there. I know. It's, it's, I have to think about it every time. And um, and Uncle Rob Bundle representing Gunditjmara community. Um, all together formed the Seismic Seven and stormed the corridors of power last week. We met with a number of MPs from the Labor, Liberal, Greens, and Crossbench, a um, number of Teals, speaking to them about our concerns about this bla- seismic blasting project.
1: Tell, the... tell us about the seismic blasting project. So
2: uh, it was originally 7.7 million hectares. Easily the largest seismic blasting project in the history of the Earth. And uh, for, for some perspective, that's an area larger than Tasmania, taking in the South Australian, Victorian and Tasmanian coastlines. Uh, 3D seismic blasting, that's 250 decibels of noise. That's louder than the Hiroshima bomb every 10 seconds.
1: Louder than Hiroshima?
2: Indeed, and it liquefies zooplankton. You won't be surprised to hear it, it destroys krill. It um, destroys the buoyancy of crayfish, and it deafens whales and dolphins. Uh, so, and a, and
1: a deaf whale is a dead
2: whale. A deaf whale is a dead whale. And the only uh, and and by the time they're searching for gas, and by the time the gas is actually produced in about twenty thirty 2030 to twenty thirty five, we expect that the gas industry will be. As dead as the zooplankton and krill would be <laughs> if we allow this project to go ahead. So we met with um, a number of politicians who shared a series of concerns about this project. And we were um, very buoyed to hear that across party lines there was um, a strong concern about the environmental implications, the lack of uh, ministerial scrutiny. A lot of these, um, so they're operating under a special prospectors' authority, which is granted by NOPTA, um, the National Offshore Petroleum. Um,
1: uh Something. Something authority. <laughs> Something authority.
2: <laughs> Sorry, I haven't had enough sleep Look it or perhaps up. enough Look it up, this listeners. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> right. Do a
1: search on Google yeah, that will right. correct Google your it. spelling God. if it's a problem. Um, N-O-P-T... How do you it? N-O-P-T-A. T-A, okay.
2: Um, grant these approvals without any kind of ministerial oversight or intervention. So... Uh, We will be following up with those politicians this week and making sure that they're supplied with all of the information they need. And we look forward to seeing some strong representation on this issue in Parliament. But we've already had Senator Peter Wish-Wilson stand up and speak against the project and speak in support of our campaign. So that was really, really enthusing. And it just goes to show it doesn't matter what anyone tells you, seismic matters. So I hear that you, Jeff, oh, have
1: oh, been. Before we go on, I just want to know. Sorry, well, yes, thank you. But um, um, the beautiful interrupted segue. Um, how do you? What, what sort of reaction did you get? You've got the Greens on board, but what sort of reaction did you get from the other politicians? And I would say particularly Labour.
2: Well, we had a quite mixed reaction from Labor. So uh, we spoke to um, Josh, Bo- Josh Burns and Michelle Anandaraja They were very concerned that the proponents Schlumberger, who have renamed themselves SLB and are currently under criminal investigation for environmental breaches, um, had previously in 2019 uh, done seismic blasting over a World War I and Two chemical weapons dump. So we know that there's mustard gas down there. The risk of rupture was very real. And Holy Toledo! That's right. There's so much about this story we could fill, you know, an hour and a
1: half. A chemical dump in Bass Strait. Yes, yes. Of, of mustard gas. Yes. What on earth were we doing with mustard gas and munitions? But this was back in World War One, uh, and two, and two. Yes. All right.
2: Um, so it was great to see their interest in the project. We were a little um, concerned that um, Labour MP Libby Coker. Um, didn't appear to be as concerned about. In fact, she was, out of all of the politicians we spoke to, the least engaged in the issue from our experience. But certainly Jackie Lambie was red hot for it. I would quote her, but um, there were so many expletives in everything that she had to say (laughs) Ah, ah, when we presented ah, ah, her with the case. And particularly she was concerned about the impact on um, Tasmanian fishing industry. Uh, so, yeah, it was and, – and, and even uh, Liberal Dan Tien was was particularly, um, I think, freaked out, isn't too strong a term, about uh – What's going to happen when these sorts of approvals are made without any kind of ministerial oversight? And he's made a commitment to look further into that. So yes, there was there was really really strong engagement, and it was at the same time as the safeguard mechanism was being negotiated between Labor and the Greens. So that was all buzzing around the Parliament, as well as um, uh, some campaigners talking about um, tightening the restrictions on fossil fuels accessing marine parks around Australia.
1: Terrific! All right, well, um, let's take a, a break now with a bit of music, and because uh, because I'm hosting this program, you get to learn my eclectic music taste. So here we go, Aretha Franklin with Rock Steady.
2: That was Aretha Franklin with Rocksteady. You're listening to 3Cram, Radical Radio, Dirt Radio, Friends of the Earth's uh, favourite program on the air. Uh, This is Freya Leonard. I am the No More Gas Campaign Coordinator for Friends of the Earth Melbourne and I am here with my colleague, Geoff Waters. Geoff, one MP that I didn't get to talk to when we were in Canberra last week was Resources Minister Mad King, but I understand that you've been in discussion with her. Do you want to tell us a bit about that?
1: Well, yes. Um, Well, I haven't actually been in discussions with uh, Minister Mad King and I don't think we should actually be calling her that as we want something out of her. (laughs) More than one thing. Um, Your Honour, Madeline King, Your Worship. Um, uh, Yes, no, but uh, we've heard some fabulous news uh, from the Office of the Resources Minister this week. Uh, Madeline King actually tabled a very long uh, um, statement on resources to the lower house to tabled uh, a statement on the situation with resources, uh, and in that buried in that and um, lots of lots of things to unpack in that statement, a, a, an awful lot and not all of it positive. That's for sure. But this little positive part was that they acknowledged that for the first time the federal government spoke about the massive issue that we are facing, the ticking economic time bomb uh, sitting off our shores, the $60 billion uh, bill that we're going to face over the next 10 years. And <clears throat> that's an industry estimate, so most likely it's more like $100 billion, but nobody knows for sure because the Treasury hasn't done an audit on it yet. Uh, but uh, Madeleine King acknowledged the fact that Uh, all of these uh, gas and uh, oil offshore assets like platforms, uh, wells, uh, pipelines, umbilicals, uh, jack-up rigs, all of these uh, very, very many. There's about 60 platforms that need to be decommissioned over the next 10 years because they're so old. So they need to be removed. And uh, uh, of course, the industry wants to just uh, cut them off at the base near uh, at the um, seabed level and dump them in the ocean. Uh, but um, uh, thankfully, for the first time from this government and from the minister, we heard that she is uh, wanting to support a uh, recycling industry. well, didn't use those terms, but it said a sustainable decommissioning industry, which is just wonderful because it means that the government is thinking, about uh, uh, decommissioning. Now, Friends of the Earth and several other community groups are saying, or not-for-profits, environmental groups, unions, are saying that we need recycling centres in the Northern Territory, Western Australia and Victoria, so that we can recycle the 14 Sydney Harbour bridges worth of steel that is sitting out there to be recycled. So... Uh, we think that the extent there's... At the moment, there's a, a 48 cents per barrel equivalent uh, levy on on gas so as to pay for the decommissioning of one certain platform, uh, floating platform in the Timor Sea. We say that should be extended and that levy should pay for the recycling centres and for a fleet of decommissioning ships to undertake this work um, and so that the industry pays for it, they should have a levy. So we know that uh, the Minister, the Resources Minister, Madeline King, gets up early every Tuesday morning in Perth at 6.30 and tunes in online mm-hmm. to Dirt Radio. We know she's listening this morning because she's one of our biggest fans, as are most of the Federal Cabinet listening this morning as well. So if you could please, uh, Minister, if you're listening to me now, and I'm sure you are as you, as you dip into your cornflakes this morning, please uh, remember that this could all be paid for by uh, the levy, by the extension of that levy.
2: Absolutely. Otherwise it sounds like the $60 to $100 billion assets are actually liabilities if we're not reusing the steel inherent in those structures.
1: Well, yes, uh, the Mellon King's calling it a $60 billion opportunity. So who knows what that means? But it's positive. It's much more positive than it has been.
2: Well, if I was wearing my hat right now, I would take it off to you for um, coming up with the idea, as I understand, of recycling those rigs and reusing that steel. It's it's absolutely genius and it's been really impressive to see how... Uh, you've worked with um, not just parliamentarians but also, and, and, you know, relevant ministers, but also with local communities, uh, including traditional owner communities. Do you want to talk a bit about that?
1: Well, let's go into that in a minute um, uh, when we talk about the situation in Victoria. But uh, right now, let's just take a quick station break. Um, You're listening to... I shouldn't have said arm. That's terrible on radio. You're listening to 3CR... Uh, community radio and this is dirt radio from friends of the earth are you a 3cr subscriber
0: we really need our listeners to subscribe to the station
1: call 03
2: 9419 8377 or sign up online at 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe So, Jeff, we're back, and this is Frey Leonard from Friends of the Earth uh, speaking to Jeff Waters on 3CR Radical Radio. And, Jeff, you've got a bit of an update on SO in Bass Strait.
1: Well, yeah, I just thought I'd have a quick chat to you about the situation for Victoria in particular when it comes to decommissioning, because we've only got a few minutes left, but decommissioning is... Um, uh, the biggest decommissioning job in the immediate sense is in Bass Strait, where... We've been uh, extracting oil and gas for the past 20, 30 years and uh, uh, we're waiting to, for ESSO, which is actually ExxonMobil, a multinational American firm uh, that trades in Australia under the name ESSO, they have come up with a 600-page plan uh, for removal of these uh, uh, massive structures It appears, well, they appear from that document to prefer the idea of cutting them off at the seabed and dumping them in in the ocean because it's the cheapest option and I had a meeting with them not too long ago and asked them if they had at all accounted for the value of the steel that they were going to be throwing away and they had not. Uh, There's hundreds of millions of dollars worth of steel that uh, could be recycled and, of course, you only need... Uh, renewable energy to recycle steel. You don't need to burn fossil fuels as you do in its manufacture. So so uh, there's a huge amount of, of, of economic value that they're just writing off. Uh, but most importantly, uh, there was an important decision in the federal court recently about the Barossa uh, uh, gas field that, that uh, the, the industry wants to develop off the Tiwi Islands and how that has been stopped because of a federal court order telling them that they haven't consulted properly with traditional owners about the sea country there. Now, the uh, industry regulator, Nopsema, says that uh, they will not be accepting now and has sent back that 600-page report and said to ESO, you have to consult with traditional owners about this Otherwise, it might not be lawful. Now, I know for a fact that Esso has only uh, responded by putting an advertisement in the Courier Times saying, uh, is there anybody out there that wants to talk to us about this, about the decommissioning of these things uh, off the coast of East Gippsland? But they have not made, to my knowledge, uh, any direct representations uh, to the Gunai Kurnai people whose sea country they have, you know, disrupted uh, I would argue that the steel from the recycling of these, uh, the money that comes from the recycling of the steel should go to the Gunai-Kunai people. But uh, it appears that uh, no decommissioning is going to be taking place in Victoria until uh, that uh, proper consultation takes place. Uh, I don't know if this perhaps is a stalling uh, um, tactic by ESSO, um, but, uh, yeah, so... So it's a big problem, Freya. It sounds like a huge problem, but it's good
2: to see that adequate consultation is now a priority.
1: Well, yeah, absolutely. And um, what a fabulous thing. Well, you've been listening to this morning to Dirt Radio on 3CR. Please uh, join Friends of the Earth. We're the ones who put this show on. And join us again next Tuesday morning at 9.